Welcome to this installment of Witness to Yesterday, the podcast of the Champlain Society. My name is Greg Marshallden, and today we are going to talk to historian Eric Sager about his recent history of the idea of inequality in Canada over the past couple of centuries. Currently Professor Emeritus at the University of Victoria, Eric Sager has been a member of the Department of History at UVic since 1983. His previous work has ranged from book-length studies on the history of merchant sailors as well as the shipping industry in Atlantic Canada to the unemployed in late Victorian Canada. Today we are going to talk about his most recent book, Inequality in Canada, the History and Politics of an Idea, published by McGill-Queen's University Press in December 2020. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure. This is a very ambitious book uh, in that it's first and foremost a an intellectual history of the idea of inequality, how it was understood by Canadians from the 1830s almost up to the present. So I was wondering if you could summarize your book and tell us why you decided to tackle this subject. Strange thing is, I did not start by conceiving of a big project. Uh, I think what happened was that I got interested in the subject and then I... I lost control of it, and I kept following the subject wherever it took me. Um, It started about 20 years ago. I wrote something about the distribution of annual earnings uh, as reported in the 1901 Census of Canada, and I then proposed to examine income inequalities using census data that we then had from 1901 to 1951. Then I ran into technical and data problems. And then I noticed Stephen Leacock's book, The Unsolved Riddle of Social Justice in 1920, which is all about inequality. And I thought, that's really interesting. Where did these ideas come from? They're not all original to Leacock. So I kept going further and further in time. Uh, And this is the first point about the book. Inequality is an idea and it's an old idea. My definition of the idea is as follows. It's the idea that inequalities of wealth and income are a problem. And if it's a defect, that can be corrected. They're mitigated or eliminated altogether. And this is not a new idea. It's an old idea. One other thing I can should say about my book, it's a very political and present-minded book. I even call it a heuristic experiment. I conclude the introduction by offering the reader six propositions about inequality that are relevant today. And then I suggest, you know, see what happens after you read my book. You know, has your thinking about these propositions changed? Where do you stand now? So it's a very uh, present-minded book as well. Now, to me, this book bears some resemblance and approach, if not in content, to Elspeth Heeman's book, Tax Order and Good Government. I covered that book in a previous podcast So I'm wondering if this is an accurate perception. Uh, Yes, it is. There is a certain affinity or kinship between the books and also with Shirley Tillotson's book on taxation, Give and Take, it's titled, um, because taxation is connected to distributions and to differences between rich and poor. Taxation is always about distributive justice in in many ways. Um, 
the original draft of Heman's book actually had much more explicit arguments about inequality. So there are many connections. Uh, but those books of uh, Elspeth Heman and Shirley Tillotson mean that I don't have to say much more about taxation in my book, fortunately. So Canadians were obviously highly influenced by many ideas on inequality that emanated mainly from the United States and Europe. Uh, can you tell us how these ideas on inequality that came from other places influence Canadian thought on the subject? Yes. The, the, the first chapter of my book is about North Atlantic thinkers. Uh, and this chapter, it's not a digression, I don't think. I think it's central to the argument of my book because it sets a comparative framework. Here is what a summary of what the great thinkers of the 19th and early 20th centuries were saying about inequality, mainly philosophers and economists. So this is the template, it's the big context, which allows us to see uh, the distinctiveness, the peculiarities of Canadian thinking. And Canadian writers uh, were, were uh, certainly aware of what was being written and said elsewhere. And it turns out, you know, as this chapter reveals, and as many, uh, you know, economic historians would know, inequality was extensively present in political economy, from John Stuart Mill to Alfred Marshall to the early neoclassical economists, and then to the founders of welfare economics in the early 20th century, uh, Arthur Pigou, Hugh, Hugh Dalton, many others. And in the United States, Virtually all the leading economists wrote about inequality. This was, in the progressive era, this was the great era of inequality, I would say. Uh, and virtually all of the ideas that we have about inequality today have antecedents in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. So if we see all of this, an outline at least, then we have a position from which to understand Canadian thinking and its strengths and its weaknesses. And so what about Corrado Gini and, and his development of what we later call the Gini coefficient uh, and that work that he did before the First World War? As you note, the Gini coefficient has not only become the most common measure of inequality, it frames most discussions of inequality. Indeed, it's sometimes seen as fully capturing the idea of inequality. Yes, and uh, th th there are obvious limits and problems with the Gini coefficient, but as you say, it remains the best known measure today. Uh, it was first published as long ago as 1912. In Canadian history, the remarkable thing about the Gini coefficient is its absence. In Canadian political economy, it was virtually unknown. It was first used in an article in the Canadian Journal of Economics and Political Science as late as 1954. And that article wasn't even about economic inequalities. It was about the distribution of prizes in lotteries. Uh, the Gini coefficient was in, used then by statisticians in the Dominion Bureau of Statistics in the mid-1950s, but Canadian economists rarely used it until later. So here we have something very distinctive about economics in Canada. A focus on inequalities of distribution was rare. Um, and that related in turn to a number of things, including the relatively late arrival of mathematical economics in Canada, and even the slow and rather gradual acceptance of neoclassical economics in the first half of the 20th century. Uh, 
clear distinctiveness in Canadian uh, economics. So let's go back to the ideas of the reformers and Republicans in the 1830s in Upper Canada and Lower Canada. To what extent did inequality uh, influence and their perception of inequality influence their ideas and their programs? The idea, the problem of inequality was more present than we may have previously realized, although some historians have noted that it was there. Uh, it appeared in certain places. It appeared among um, radical reformers and Republicans in both Upper Canada and Lower Canada in the 1830s. It appeared where older ideas of inequality were being challenged or eroded. In the old worldview, and particularly in the older Tory vision, hierarchy was normal and inevitable, and so also was inequality. If some people had wealth and income, they also had privilege, and it was held these things were just rewards for their status and their virtue. This was all common sense. Equality in this worldview was a dangerous and frightening heresy. It was something preached by French and American revolutionaries. This older Tory common sense began to erode among radical reformers and Republicans in the 1830s and among some others. A new common sense was being born. The idea that wealth must be a reward for effort, for labor, for a social contribution. And that meant that an aristocracy, as in England, or the pseudo-pretend aristocrats in Canada, were beginning to be seen as undeserving, and even worse, even parasites. So in thinking like that, the problem of inequality was born. It didn't appear everywhere, but it was certainly very prominent in certain uh, writings. Well, did uh, in the period... Uh, let's say just after Confederation, the decades following Confederation, did uh, labor leaders, trade unionists, uh, develop their own ideas about inequality? And what about socialists? Did they deal with the subject? Yes, it's a big question, and it leads to a big chapter, chapter four, because trade unionists, yes, in the era of industrialization in Canada, did learn about distributive justice. They learned it the hard way. The great labor causes, such as the shorter hours movement, were fundamentally about distributive justice, meaning how is the product of labor to be distributed among producers? And you have to allow for the fact that the employer was also a type of producer. The employer, the boss, manufacturers and merchants, they did some kind of mental work. So since they did some kind of work, what was their just or fair reward? And all of this led to some really heavy thinking, and particularly around the paradox. How is it possible? We live in an age of great productivity and enormous growth of wealth. How is it possible that there were so many who were still poor? And so there was a lot of thinking about this. Henry George, in his famous book, Progress and Poverty in 1879, sure helped and had huge influence. So also did Canadian authors like Phillips Thompson, uh, his book, The Politics of Labor, 1887. Socialists, well, one has to remember in all of this that inequality, the problem of inequality was a liberal idea. And it's liberal because 
The, the best example is John Stuart Mill, who was the source of a key distinction. John Stuart Mill argued basically production is subject to certain laws, laws that are basic and unalterable. Distribution of the product, however, is adjustable. After wealth is created, society can do with it, with the wealth, whatever it wants, according to policies and laws and so on. So this was the liberal idea of inequality. The socialist idea, and particularly those who followed Marx, was very different. They believed production and distribution were subject to the same historical forces. You can't solve the problem of distribution within a system of, uh, of systemic exploitation. So there's fundamental theoretical differences here. Many socialists saw the differences very clearly, but a lot of trade unionists and labor intellectuals followed the path of John Stuart Mill, basically, even if they hadn't read him. So it's a big subject. One of your chapters, it's chapter five, actually, it's entitled Spiritual Engineering from Rural Romantics to Social Gospelers. This sounds quite intriguing. Tell us what this chapter is about and tell us what you mean by spiritual engineering. Yeah, <laughs> this is a big subject, too. It starts with the Protestant churches in the 19th century, where we hear many uh, critiques of wealth, critiques of wealth and luxury particularly. And in such critiques, we have the germs of the idea of inequality. Now, that didn't lead to any policy proposals or solutions, but it did in the early 20th century, particularly with the social gospel movement, uh, and also with the farmers' movements and farmer populism. Uh, here was a specific articulation among the farmers' movements of the problem of inequality and a new language of e equality. And the farmers' language was itself suffused with Protestant ideals, Protestant ethics. And then we note the connections to the social gospel in the Protestant churches. The, the social gospelers often spoke of inequality, of growing gaps between rich and poor. It was a repeated mantra among them. Uh, they didn't offer many fully developed answers, but they sure offered and left Canadians with a powerful moral imperative. Not just poverty that was the problem, it's inequality, and it's a deep spiritual and moral threat to all of us. That's the social gospel. So is that where James Shaver Woodsworth enters your discussion of inequality? Yes, he does, even though he's not a representative social gospeler at all. But he does represent two important strands in Canadian thinking, the Protestant tradition, but also British philosophical idealism. Uh, Woodsworth had read the British political economists, including John Stuart Mill. He'd heard the lectures in Oxford of Edward Caird. Uh, he represents, and inequality is, is there in his writings, in his book, My Neighbor, 1911, for instance. Eventually, he became the first member of parliament to read into the House of Commons debates data on income distributions. He did this in the mid-1930s. He was using tax data provided to him by Eugene Forsey. So there we have the problem of inequality clearly entering the political arena in a very explicit and powerful way. You point out uh, Oscar Skelton as providing the most comprehensive and intelligent liberal critique of socialism. How did Skelton discuss inequality 
And what about other Canadian political economists uh, in that period, the interwar years? Here's where my research actually really began on this subject. Because what I think one of the remarkable things about Skelton is how little he said about the problem of inequality. He was, after all, probably the leading economist in Canada of his time. But he said very little about it. He's pointing to something important about Canadian political economy from the 1880s through the 1920s, maybe even afterwards. The remarkable relative silence of Canadian economists about the problem of inequality. Canadian political economy, in fact, missed one of the great economic issues of the progressive era. I do note the few exceptions. So the problem is, the historical question is, why this relative silence? The answer in part is that Canadian political economists fo focused on other things. They focused on trade, banking, tariffs, resource development, all of those things that related to national development. Many of them also, like Harold Innes, came from outside social gospel Christianity. They missed so much that was going on in the wider world. Um, a few did write about inequality, and here's where I talk about uh, Stephen Leacock and his particular form of Anglican idealism in the unsolved riddle of social justice. Uh, and here, my reading of Canadian political economists is not entirely negative in a, a critically negative way, because Canada did produce a unique co contribution to all discussions of inequality. It's Leacock's brilliant satire, Arcadian Adventures with the Idle Rich of 1914, Everybody should read or reread this book. It is explicitly about inequality. And I conclude the following. Canada's most original, enduring, and distinctively Canadian contribution to the problem of inequality was a work of satire. It's that great book by Stephen Leacock. Yes, it's a, it's a fantastic book. I read it many years ago. I was encouraged to do so, in fact, by an economics professor that I had who was drawn to the book, uh, but who himself never taught inequality uh, in the classroom. Now, what, uh, and, and I think of this as a bit of a, a question of a intellectual mystery, but what happened to the problem of inequality that uh, all of these thinkers and writers discuss, was it, uh, uh, did it reemerge or was it still there in the last half of the 20th century? What happened uh, in the way that the problem of inequality was perceived or not perceived at all? In a nutshell, the, the problem of inequality, as I have defined it, died or disappeared in Canada in the last half of the 20th century, and I'll get on to the exceptions. Um, it was there in the justifications for the welfare state, but the welfare state did not uh, and could not solve the problem of inequality. The welfare state was always more evasion of the problem than solution. Uh, the problem of inequality survived in a few places in John Porter's book, The Vertical Mosaic, um, John Porter himself, in some ways, a throwback, uh, the heir, uh, an heir of the old British new liberal tradition, uh, and that was the tradition in which he had been educated. Inequality was there in, in a, one popular book, a bestseller, that's Pierre Burston's polemic, The Smug Minority in 1968. 
Inequality is also there in the brilliant statistical work of Jenny Podoluk, a statistician at the Dominion Bureau of Statistics. But elsewhere, the problem died. And so in our century, it had to be the problem as, uh, of inequality as a perceived problem had to be revived, had to be resurrected. My concluding argument is that in our thinking today, we've got to go back to that earlier era. We must recover much of the wisdom of that time of the progressive era. We have to think hard about the principles of distributive justice that came from the traditions of philosophic idealism of a century and more ago. And one final thing, if I, if, if I may, I think we also, uh, we university-based academics have to think about how to engage wider audiences. And I hope uh, I can then give a plug to my attempt to do this because I've written a sequel to the book that we're talking about. I've written a sequel that will be published this summer. It's called The Professor and the Plumber. And it's my attempt to bring inequality and principles of distributive justice to a wider audience, to students, to general readers. And I, uh, it's my attempt to uh, engage politically with wider audiences outside the university. And in this uh, book that will be coming out, uh, what role does history play in terms of your ideas? It, it's very historical in that the early chapters try to explain the rise of economic inequality in recent decades, since the 1980s, particularly in Canada. It's also a book uh, that is about distributive justice, uh, the ideas that philosophers particularly have given us about the meaning of inequality, uh, the meaning of equality, and the principles that we should apply in trying to think about solutions. Um, uh, pr these principles of distributive justice, I think, have been locked up for far too long in the scholarly writings of philosophers uh, and they need to be brought to wider audiences. So that's what I'm trying to do. Well, we'll be looking forward to that book. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Greg. It's been a real pleasure. My guest today was Eric Sager. He is the author of Inequality in Canada, The History and Politics of an Idea published by McGill-Queens University Press in 2020. You've been listening to Witness to Yesterday. Please visit our website at www.champlainsociety.ca where you can become a subscribing member and help support this podcast. If you like what you've heard, let your friends know by forwarding this podcast through the social media of your choice. This podcast is made possible by the members of the Champlain Society who work hard to bring to life original documents in Canadian history. We want to thank the Hudson's Bay Company History Foundation, the L.R. Wilson Institute of History at McMaster University, and a consortium of Canadian scholarly book publishers that includes the University of Toronto Press, UBC Press, and the University of Ottawa Press. My name is Greg Marshallden. This interview was recorded on March 26, 2021. It was produced by Jessica Schmidt.